We're going to read from 1 John 1, 5 to 1 John 2, verse 6. Um, so I'm just going to read that for us now. Walking in the light. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Christ, our advocate. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sin. And not, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Father God, I thank you so much for this passage, Lord. I thank you so much for what you say and the truth that, it, that is in it. And I pray, Lord, as I speak now, that your words would speak, that your spirit would move through me. And I pray for the hearts of everyone in this room, that they would just feel like whatever you're saying to them connects and lays on their heart as well in Jesus' name. Good morning, everybody. I'm Becca. Um, it's really lovely to be here. So as uh, Jerry mentioned, I do work for the church. I am on staff, um, but I also try to get involved with as many things as possible. And something that we do, mo like most Fridays in the term, um, we meet at the crack of dawn on a Friday morning, 6.30. We usually meet at the centre over there and we pray for an hour. And um, two weeks ago, we actually ended up meeting at Duncan and Jill's house, um, the pastor's of the church and there's just going to be a picture so yeah this is it and um, we were just praying and they have ob obviously these windows on the picture and the sun was coming up above the houses and it's quite hard to tell on that picture but the sun was just this pink like gorgeous gorgeous color and it was absolutely amazing and as I was just praying I was just like oh thank you God for your creation thank you God that the sun is rising and we're beginning to see the grass the trees the birds the houses I'm beginning to see everything as the sun is rising and actually the sun then like started to move over to the left here and and it was just behind the tree and and the sun's like beams were just coming through the branches on the tree and as I was like praying with my eyes closed the sun's rays were just hitting my eyes and it was just the most amazing thing and I was just like thank you God for your creation it is so beautiful and I've been really struck by um, this quote by C.S. Lewis um, which it's kind of not really on the board but I'll just read it anyway it says I believe in Christ as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I see it but because by it I see everything else and how true that is that when actually just when we look at the sun when we see the sun sun is coming up or we walk into a room and we switch on the light we suddenly begin to see everything that we need to see and when we walk in relationship with Christ actually we see everything completely different we see everything in God's eyes 
And John, who is writing this, a little bit of context, this is a letter to a church that John is writing. And, one, uh, and John is actually a disciple of Jesus. He, he walked with Jesus. He saw when Jesus was doing all of his miracles and when he was sharing his parables with people, he knew what it was like to follow Jesus. And the first verse, which he says, this is the message we have heard from him, a proclaim to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. John knew Jesus, knew him so well that when Jesus actually said these words to him, he could attest to it and write it in this letter and say, no, God has said that he is light. And we actually know that John, if he wanted to, could just look at previous scriptures and gather them together and be like we can gather from all these scriptures that God is like but actually no how much more important was it for him to say no Jesus has said to me that he is light which means that God is light and there's a legitimacy in the truth that he is sharing with us. And actually, God just does amazing things. Thank you so much, Zanelli, for the verses that you shared, because there was actually what I was going to touch on. When we look at this, John is saying, no, Jesus has said that he is light. But also we see in the Bible that God is light continually in different areas. And in the Old Testament, as Zanelli said, when the, when the Israelites were being freed from Egypt, when they were brought out of Egypt and God was leading them into the promised land, they're walking through a desert. They don't know where they're going. God's just said, I'm leading you to the promised land. And they're like, I don't have any directions. So God is directing them. And as Zanelli was reading, God was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When it was the darkest moments of their journey God was light for them and he did not depart before them and the hero of faith in this story is Moses who actually was the person who led the Israelites out of Egypt and and just as Zanelli said that Moses would go up to, to the top of the mountain and spend time with God and be in his glory and would ask him you know God what is it that we need to do can you guide us can you lead me what is it that we need to do and he'd spent time with God and when he'd come back from this mountain he'd come to the Israelites to be able to tell them what God has said the Israelites they can't look at him because his face is radiant because his face is shining because he spent time in the presence of the Lord so much so that he had to wear a veil to cover his face so that the Israelites could have conversation with him but these, these are the passages from the Old Testament that I'm like, oh yeah, God is light. But actually, um, John, who wrote 1 John, um, also being the disciple of Jesus, in his gospel that he wrote, um, it says in verses 9 to 13 in the first chapter, the true light, this is talking about Jesus, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and to his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we know that later on in this book of John that Jesus in chapter 8 says I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life these are things that we can look at and be like yes God is saying this this is truth this is historical evidence this is fact 
But how many of us know that when we read Revelation and it talks about when Jesus comes back again and that this old earth will be destroyed and the new earth and the new heaven will come in Revelation 21 verses 23 to 25, it says, And the city had no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. Basically what this is saying is when Jesus comes again and we come into the new heaven and the new earth which we have been promised, there's not going to be any sun, there's not going to be any moon, there's not going to be any night because God's glory, God's presence will be the light that we need to live and, and the fact that God has no darkness in him, there is no night in him, and we understand that at God's very being, there is no darkness in him, there is no evil in him, there is no sin in him, he is light. So what we can kind of gather from this knowledge that God is light, there is, there is a call for us, there's a call for us to walk in light. And I think I've kind of translated walking in light in my head just to be able to understand it is basically walking in obedience. It has to mean that our life looks different as a result of following Jesus because we're called to a higher purpose. We're called to walk in light. We're called to holiness. We're called to not live in sin as sin is the barrier to keep us from God. In verse 7 it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the, in the light, we experience the continual cleansing of our sin. And if we look back at that C.S. Lewis quote that I mentioned earlier, I believe in Christ as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but by it, I see everything else. When we walk in the light slowly, the light comes over the houses, comes over the grass, comes over the trees and slowly bit by bit we see the points in our life that actually I need to sort that sin out I need to sort that darkness out I know that God is shining a light on this for me to sort it out but it's a lot harder to walk in the light rather than me just saying we need to walk in the light so how do we do it well we don't need to try harder because that's not gonna that's not gonna help we're not trying harder we're not earning our place it is simply by God's grace and his goodness to us and I have grown up in church all my life I grew up as a, a pastor's kid and um, I've always been to church and probably gave my life to Jesus when I was eight um, and yeah I've always known God in a sense of who he is and believed in him essentially but someone asked me when I was 18 I'm 22 now what is the gospel and I did not know what to say. I was like, uh, and I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where we kind of bring in sin or where we bring in when Jesus came in and stuff. And I thought, wow, I'm 18 years old. I've grew up in church all my life and I can't even articulate what the gospel actually is. And I felt as though when I was praying about what I should say this, this, morn this morning, that God was just like, bring it back to what it's all about which is the gospel, which is that God created us, that God loves us, loves us, that God wants to be in relationship with us, but there is a barrier that is separating us from him. 
that we live in a broken world that is full of death, that is full of war, that is full of pain, and that we are broken people. We mess up. We aren't perfect. Our lives are filled with chaos, with mess, and with sin. And sin is a barrier to our relationship with God. Sin is basically us saying, we don't want to walk with God, but we just want to walk and do our own thing. And back in the Old Testament, when uh, people would need to ask for forgiveness of their sins, because obviously we've always been imperfect, um, actually how they used to do it was animal sacrifice. And it sounds like a bit of a weird thing. And when I was like trying to grapple with this, it's quite interesting. But basically, someone would mess up and they would say, okay, I've sinned and I need to atone for my sin. So God says that I need to represent this animal, sacrifice this animal, therefore my sin is kaput, my sin is cleansed and I don't need to worry anymore. But we're imperfect beings and then, you know, probably 24 hours later, this person who just cleansed all this and then has to do this whole process again, has to come before the high priest, has to give their animal sacrifice and then is then atoned for their sin again. But God knew way back in the Garden of Eden that this is something that we were going to do, that animal sacrifice is something that we were going to do to atone for our sin. But he was like, but it's not always going to be like that. I'm going to send my son. And then 2,000 years ago, we know that Jesus came down. The Son of God came down into this earth and the Word became flesh, as John said. And he paved a way for us, a way where we don't have to earn our place with God, but through his mercy and his grace, we have been given it. God is a just God. He is righteous and true. And he knows the penalty for sin is death. He knows that if we continually walk in sin, if we continually walk in darkness, the penalty for that is death. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on that cross in our place, to die on that cross for us. And when we say that the blood of Jesus cleanses our sin, we don't mean a literal blood because that's a bit, bit weird. But we just mean that the literal death that Jesus endured on the cross was in our place. And he said, it is finished. And Jesus rose again three days later, proving he was the son of God, proving that actually he has defeated death, that he is victorious so that we may have life and life in all of its fullness. And God then leaves us with a choice. God leaves us with a choice of whether we choose to live for him, whether we choose to accept this truth of Jesus dying on the cross for us, or whether we choose to walk in darkness. Because Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins, past, present and future. And to recognise this truth means we have to actively turn away we have to actively turn away from our old lives and step into this new life step into this new walk where we walk in the opposite direction where we walk in light and with with that we proclaim that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we're left with that decision where we want to follow him his light the light he is is then ultimately in us 
And we can't do this on our own. We can't do this just by saying, oh yeah, I follow Jesus and then we have to walk in the light all on our own. Actually, God sends his spirit to be with us. His spirit which nudges us, which convicts us, which leads us into that place where we can recognise when we've sinned, we can recognise when we're doing something wrong and he leads us into that place where we then can ask God for his, convi- uh, for his f- forgiveness in our sins. And... At the beginning of this year, I made quite a silly resolution. I said that I'm not going to use a map in central London because I want to get to know central London. So at, at the beginning, this is like, oh, it kind of works out really well. Because if you ask me where what tube station this is or what line it's on, or if you ask me about Shoreditch, you ask me about South Bank or Covent Garden or Waterloo or all these places, I'll be able to tell you. I will be able to tell you, and I can stand by that. However... When I'm in a place of London that I have no idea of like, what it's like, or East London or whatever, how helpful is this resolution that I've made? How helpful is it for me to say, oh yeah, I'm not going to use a map, I'm just going to keep walking in one direction because I, I might find myself in Essex or something like that and that's just not helpful either. I think the fact of the matter is that I am lost. I'm lost and this, this resolution is just not helpful because I'm choosing to, keep, to stay in that lost place. Me choosing not to use maps in central London is like me choosing to walk in the light without the word of God, without the Bible. Because for me, the word of God is what keeps me in the light. It keeps me grounded. It's God's word. It is the light. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I have found that living by this word is not easier. That's fact. That is fact. But it is so much sweeter. In verse 8 it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I want the truth to be in me. I want God's truth to be in me. I want to live in it. I want to walk in it. And I want any ounce of sin or darkness to be removed from me. I want to walk in the light. And God's light shows up my mess. God's light shows up my sin when I step out of place, when I say something or do something wrong. God brings me back on that path with him because I'm allowing him to speak into my life when I walk in his light. And if God is light and we accept Christ within us, that obviously means that his light is then in us and it means our sin becomes clear when we bring it out of darkness. When things are secret and hidden, how many of us know that they can manifest and grow? We need to bring that darkness into the light. We need to bring the darkness into the light. But the reality of it all is, is we're not perfect people. We are going to mess up. We are naturally going to fall short. And it says, as I said in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I am a sinner who is just trying to live a life like Jesus, sinless and perfect. And it is only by being filled with the Holy Spirit can my life have a result of that. But in all of this, we do need to bring it back to God. I need to know what true repentance looks like. I need to know what it's like to come into that place with God and say, I'm sorry, and I want to actively turn away from what I've been doing. I need to be in that place with God where as soon as something goes wrong, I run to him. 
Now, if we're walking in the light, that's an active thing. We can't just make a decision and stick to it. Actually, walking in the light is something we have to be walking, we have to be constantly moving, we have to be constantly bringing ourselves back on to that path. And really, it just shows how amazing God is because when we read in verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is a God that wants us to come to him, to come running to him, to ask for forgiveness. And he says, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. So later on, I say this word that actually took me a really long time to be able to say, propitiation, which basically means that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus atoned for our sins. Earlier on, when I talked about that weird stuff about animal sacrifice, basically, when Jesus died on that cross, it meant we don't have to do this anymore. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have to earn our place in heaven anymore. Jesus did it all on the cross. Jesus died with all of our sin. And when we leave sin on, like, untouched and like, we don't let God sort it out what it needs to do or come to him and confess our sin, it actually has a tendency to burrow into deep areas of our lives. It can really mess stuff up. I've seen firsthand in my life and other people's lives where sin has just caused a, like, a domino effect of terrible things because it's messed everything up. But how... Amazing is it for us to say that we're not perfect, but to run and point to the perfecter of our faith. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is an active turn we have to do in repentance, in coming to God and confessing our sin. To recognise this truth means we turn away from our old life and step into this new life with God. We have to walk in the opposite direction. We have to proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And when we do that, we know that his grace is sufficient for us. Jesus paved a way for us to remove all the darkness within us and to bring it into the light. He is our advocate. He is the cornerstone. He atoned for our sin. He defeated death. And the last verse of this passage that I read said, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The word abides is so much more than just being close to. It's, it's an intimate thing. It's like you can't be static when you're abiding in God. You have to be running to him. You have to be close to him. And actually... John, being a disciple, knew what it was like to be close to Jesus when, when Jesus would share his parables, when he would heal people, when he would say the things of the kingdom that are yet to come. John knew what it was like to be close to him. And yes, John was a disciple, but we are also disciples. If you say you follow Jesus, you are a disciple because the root word of it is the Latin word, which actually means student, learner or follower. And the Bible was one of the first places that this word disciple came about, which naturally now means you're just a follower of Jesus. If you're a disciple, you're a follower of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus, so it matters what I do in the, with my life. It matters how I live my life for him. Yeah, 
And Jesus says in Luke, you'll be able to tell a tree by its fruits. I don't want my life to look like I'm walking in the darkness or look like I'm just anybody else. I want my life to look like I'm walking in the light where someone can say, oh yeah, she's different because she's walking in the light. She knows who Jesus is. She is a disciple. In Matthew 5, Jesus says these words and he says them to us. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm so thankful for passages like this in 1 John, which just get to the depths of God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace and what he has done for us. And if I'm going to be honest, I really, really struggled this week in writing what I was going to say. I fully had to like be in that place with God where I was be like, you're going to speak through me. And I just felt like God said, bring it back to what it's all about. Bring it back to the cross. Bring it back to the gospel, to what I've done for everyone. I think it's important for us to notice that actually, you know, it's quite easy to sort out the little things in your life. It's quite easy to say, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll just like do this instead or whatever. But sometimes but God wants to convict us of the big things in our life. Some of you might be sat here today being like, I don't really feel like I'm walking in the light. And that's what God's saying today. I think we need to be okay with what God is saying to us. We need to be okay with being uncomfortable. We need to be okay with being set apart because we have a higher purpose and now we know what this life is all about to live our life for Jesus to keep walking in the light what is the point of doing it half-hearted what is the point of having one foot in the light and one foot in the dark we need to be all in let's follow Christ being obedient to the father and letting the spirit do what it needs to do on the way and I wonder if as I'm saying this today as I'm sharing this you're sat there and you think, I don't think I've ever actually heard the gospel before. Heard the gospel of how Jesus came, died on the cross for all of your sins and rose again. I wonder actually if you've, you've heard it a thousand times, but you still don't really feel like you're living it out in your life. And maybe you've just slipped away and your focus is just not on that right now. But I, I just want to pray for us as I, as I close. I want to pray for you in particular, and I want to pray for God's spirit to come in this place right now. So I'd just love it if we could all close our eyes, bow our heads, if that's something you're comfortable with. Yeah, God, we thank you so much for your word. Oh, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for what you say in this book of life, in this book that gives so much light, Father. Lord, I want to pray for anyone in this room that has never fully heard this truth that I shared, that has never fully known that they can walk in the light with you, that their sins aren't something that keeps them from you anymore, that when they choose to follow you and turn away from that life, they can walk in the light with you, Father. Lord, I thank you that Jesus came down and died on that cross and died with everything that has ever separated us from you. I thank you that he said it is finished Lord I pray right now for anyone in the room who just feels very distant from you feels as though they've never fully made that decision I pray your Holy Spirit would come Father I pray that they would know in their heart that you are speaking to them Jesus 
Lord, I pray your spirit come now. I also just want to pray for the people who felt distant. Earlier this week, I was really, I think it was quite a spiritual thing, but I was really struggling mentally. And I came into my room and I was just weeping and all my lights were turned off, but the sun was just about to set. So my room was still kind of light. It wasn't like pitch black. And I just sat on my bed and I was just really, really happy to like weep in the darkness and just kind of leave it as it is. But I just felt like God said, no, turn on the light. Don't, don't be in the darkness, turn on the light. And I'll be honest with you and say that my emotions didn't change. Like I was still upset, I was still crying. But actually, God is asking you to just turn on the light, to walk in the light, to be in the light with him. We shouldn't go through these moments and these phases where we feel lesser or we feel like our sin is too bad or we feel like we're not good enough or that God doesn't love us. Because when we choose to follow him, when we choose to walk away from the life that we were living and to step into the light that he's going to give us, we're actively choosing him. And it's not going to be easy, but it's something that you definitely want to do instead of walking in the darkness. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I pray as we just continue in this time, um, if the band could come up now. I pray we would just be able to worship you and thank you for what you have done for us, Jesus. And for anyone in the room that has experienced your Holy Spirit for the first time, experienced your, your love for them for the first time, Lord, I pray that you would, just, you would just dwell in them, that your light would be made known within them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.